0: For us, it's not about the why anymore. We're past why, it's about how. We all agree that that net zero economy, that more resilient economy is the goal. So now it's about how do we get there and how we take the action. So how can we ensure that our economic recovery investments are channeled towards cleaner, more resilient infrastructure? You know, What are the financial tools, mechanisms, models that are gonna help us meet our net zero commitments? How do we find ways to ensure that cutting edge clean tech solutions we're developing in Canada are scaled up and they're globally deployed.
1: Welcome to Sustainability Leaders. I'm Michael Torrance, Chief Sustainability Officer with BMO Financial Group. On this show, we will talk with leading sustainability practitioners from the corporate investor, academic, and NGO communities to explore how this rapidly evolving field of sustainability is impacting global investment, business practices, and our world.
0: The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries.
2: Hi, I'm Jonathan Hackett, Managing Director and Head of Sustainable Finance for BMO. Joining us today is Elizabeth Shirt from the Globe Series. Elizabeth is an energy, sustainability, and clean technology expert with nearly 20 years of experience across a variety of policy and innovation roles. As the Managing Director for the Globe Series, she leads a team to convene innovators and change makers, accelerating the clean economy. Thank you for joining us, Elizabeth.
0: Thanks so much, Jonathan. It's great to be here.
2: So to start, can you take us through what the Globe Series is?
0: Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Um, So Globe Series at the highest level convenes as you said, innovators and change makers who are accelerating that clean economy. Uh, we do that under a vision of, you know, accelerating towards a more sustainable, prosperous and socially just future. So for the last 30 years, we've been known best for our flagship or our event in Vancouver called Globe Forum um, that we've been doing uh on the even years, so 2020, 2018, um, yeah, for for over three decades. Uh, more recently, we've been convening Globe Capital, uh, usually held in Toronto um, on odd years, but of course this year will be virtual. We've also been leading ongoing event series like uh, our Destination Net Zero initiative with our partners, the Delphi Group, Clean Recovery Breakthrough Series, with, which is in partnership with Corporate Nights, Circular Economy Solution Series with the, with the Circular Economy Leadership Coalition. So, you know, effectively we work, uh, we put on our own signature events, we work with partners um, and, and even more recently working with, with clients um, to really to convene, to bring together the right people around the right questions to really drive action to towards that cleaner, more sustainable, more resilient future. And and I should say we're part of a group of organizations um, working towards that same vision that I mentioned, and and each organization really brings something different to the table. So other members of the group are are the Delphi Group, which is a a leading sustainability consulting firm, Leading Change Canada, which is a uh, youth-oriented not-for-profit that really brings together the sustainability leaders of, of the future, the next generation, um, the Excel Partnership, which is a learning partnership network for senior leaders in sustainability in corporate Canada, and most recently, the Canadian Business for Social Responsibility or CBSR, is is now part of our group of, of organizations working together. So it's a pretty powerful um, group of companies that uh, that I get a chance to to work with um, to drive towards that vision.
2: Interesting, and and you joined from Emissions Reduction Alberta just over a year ago, uh, and. That was just as the pandemic was really redefining what convening meant. How has Globe pivoted over the last year to respond to that?
0: Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. It's a great question because it, it has been, um, it's been a pretty interesting last 10 months or so. I did accept that role of managing director, you know, j- just before pandemic. But even then, the Globe Series team was already recognizing that that business model of, of thousands of people descending on a single city for, for many days wasn't necessarily the only way that we should be bringing people together from both a sustainability environmental sustainability standpoint as, as well as an accessibility standpoint so we already knew that the events industry needed to pivot we needed to be expanding our model of of how we convene and how we bring people together so pandemic really accelerated the need to to look at that pivot and and pushed us to get more creative and really really hone those virtual convening skills. And I mean, for me, interestingly, you know, I'm not an event planner by by background. Um, you know, my my educational background's in economics. I've spent a career in policy, funding, advocacy in spaces like energy, climate, innovation, and, and clean tech. But as you mentioned, in my, my previous role at ERA, and and prior to that, working with the government of Alberta, um, I, I played a strong role in in mapping out sort of strategic direction funding priorities for ERA. And then with the government, I had the opportunity to work on Alberta's climate leadership plan. And so it's sort of been a theme throughout my career, that notion of bringing people together to drive action, to identify solutions. So joining the Globe team and having that opportunity to really reimagine how we're doing that has been pretty cool.
2: Yeah. And and you touched on this earlier, but, you know, the key challenges that the Globe series is aiming to solve, you know, what are those exactly?
0: Great question. But I I think I'll maybe I'll sort of flip it on its head where it's about sort of what are the solutions we're looking to find? Because to me, it's about the yes and opportunities. It's about those those opportunities where the, the E and the S and the G of ESG intersect it's about those actions we can take to to ensure economic prosperity and environmental sustainability and community resiliency so you know for globe we've been known for decades for our big tent you know we bring together the corporates the investors governments the civil and civil society and and we create spaces for leaders in those areas to hold the tough conversations that let us drive towards action. You know, for our, our globe capital event coming up, we think of three eyes: investment infrastructure and innovation, and, and we need growth in all three of those areas to scale. The clean economy. I would say, though, for for Globe Capital and you know the challenges that we're looking to solve, the solutions that we're looking to identify, for us it's not about the why anymore. We're past why. It's about how. Um, we all agree that that net zero economy, that more resilient economy, is the goal. So now it's about how do we get there and and how we how we take the action. So how can we ensure that our economic recovery investments are channeled? towards cleaner, more resilient infrastructure, you know, what are the financial tools, mechanisms, models that are going to help us meet our net zero commitments? How do we find ways to ensure that, you know, cutting edge clean tech solutions we're developing in Canada are scaled up and they're globally deployed?
2: And and diving into that, you know, as you think about scaling clean tech solutions, are there obstacles to adoption of those today in, uh, in Canada?
0: Yeah I mean listen this is is a huge opportunity from an economic and an environmental perspective you know we're talking about trillions of dollars worth of of market opportunity which is exciting but but yeah I mean I I would say there's there's definitely we we've seen the barriers and obstacles to seeing that you know, it isn't just about sort of the, how do I get my idea off, you know, from, from the, from the lab bench, you know, and, and give it a try pilot in the real world. It's about that. How do we scale? How do we adopt? How do we see that massive deployment? And, and so for globe, our deliberate work on, on scaling clean technology, when we really started to lean in was back at globe capital in 2019. And, and we held our inaugural um, scaling clean tech in Canada workshop in that. In that area, since then we've we've seen a lot more financing tools emerge. We see scaling and growth funds. We see public offerings for clean tech ventures. We see new commercial bank mechanisms coming into play. But the key piece of the puzzle that continues to prove challenging is that market adoption piece. And I'll never forget the words one of our speakers that we had a, a scaling clean tech in Canada. Advance workshop at globe 2020 and globe advance is a is a theme that we're running you know we ran at forum and we'll run again at capital which is really about digging in workshop style to advance action and outcomes. so globe 2020 we had a scaling clean tech in canada advanced session and and jonathan roan who's a, a well-known clean tech entrepreneurial veteran told told you know the over 100 people we had in this workshop that customers are more important than investors point being that securing those buyers not only guarantees returns for investors but it it helps to ensure that the environmental and the economic potential of that clean innovation is made real. So we're continuing on this journey at Globe Capital. We'll we'll host the next installment of the Scaling Clean Tech in Canada series through an advanced workshop that'll really dig into the barriers um, in the Canadian buyer market. So how do we drive adoption in that way?
2: And those buyers, I assume, are primarily corporates. Um, How do you think about the role for corporates and and other partners to accelerate clean tech adoption?
0: Yeah, it's it's one of the questions we'll we'll look to unpack at at the session, of course. But I mean, on the one hand, I think, you know, we need to see... A shift in corporate risk appetites. You know, we need to see, we need to see more first tryers and first buyers of clean tech innovation. We need to see innovation procurement processes that are accessible to, to the innovators. On the flip side, a technology solution that that doesn't solve an industry problem isn't a solution, right? So innovators need to be ensuring that they're, the clean tech solutions they're advancing are meeting a market need or, or solving a problem. So, you know, I think of initiatives like the Clean Resource Innovation Network (CRIN) organizations like the Natural Gas Innovation, and and of course my my former employer, Emissions Reduction Alberta. They, these are a few examples of of models that are working to to overcome these barriers. So you know, helping to define challenges industries need to solve so, so that we can work to identify the solutions and then working to de-risk those innovations through um through funding or other means so that those solutions are uh, you know become they're tested and they're and they're cost competitive
2: And you you touched on this earlier, but the question of how we balance needing to solve these environmental challenges with the impact on society and the concept of a just transition, this is something you said Globe was working on. How do you see that fitting in with the imperative of, you know, rapidly scaling those clean tech solutions?
0: You know, to me, they have to go hand in hand. I mean, in, in, in simplest terms, the just transition means nobody gets left behind, right? It's about ensuring that our actions to move to net neutral greenhouse gas emissions are inclusive. So, so for some people, you know, that transformation to a clean economy raises questions about what might happen to, to jobs in, in what have in Canada traditionally been high, high emitting sectors like, like the energy industry. You know, we know that to reach our net zero emission goals, we need to see fundamental changes to how our traditional electricity and oil and gas sectors do business. And these have been critical components of Canada's economy for decades. So what this can mean is is significant opportunities in renewable energy sectors like solar and wind, which are growing for for jobs uh, and for growth. It also means, you know, from a clean tech perspective, we need to look at opportunities to shift traditional skill sets in our energy sectors towards clean tech opportunities. You know so we don't see this talent fall through the cracks. And but that can be in opportunities like carbon capture, storage and utilization, advancement of a of a hydrogen economy. So I think like I say, they, they really have to go hand in hand. Um, on the other hand, women and people of color, indigenous peoples, you know, there are there are groups in Canada that, that will and around the world that will be disproportionately affected by the impacts of climate change as a result of where they live and, and other factors. And these same demographics are also currently underemployed in in energy sector and, and some of the traditional sectors that have made up Canada's economy. So you know, the just transition has potential to, to empower and enrich, you know, some of these historically underprivileged communities. So it's about, you know, how do we ensure, in fact, not just that nobody's left behind, but that that we, you know, these that people, individuals, communities are benefiting and, and they're actually. They're better off as a result of this transformation from an economic from a community and, and from an environmental standpoint
2: looking at the concept of that shift towards net zero many organizations are making commitments uh, about a path to a, a net zero future how do you think about the transition from those commitments to action
0: yeah i mean getting to net zero carbon emissions by 2050 it's like it's like our generational moonshot but it but it's our most urgent imperative, right? I mean, the exciting thing to me is you can feel the momentum, right? It's going in the right direction. So many countries are are, are committing to achieving the goals of the Paris Agreement and net zero by by 2050. We're we're seeing leading corporations making increasingly ambitious commitments. To reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. But but you're right, commitments are not the same as action. So commitments like the ones BMO just made, to me, those are meaningful. You know, announcing the admission is one is one piece, but it has to come with action. So things like doubling down on, on the deployment of funds towards sustainable finance goals, um, establishing the the climate institute, the commitment to building climate analytics capabilities um, for your clients, because measuring and reporting on on how organizations are contributing to climate change is is a critical part of success. You know, we're seeing calls to action and actions being taken by leaders like like Larry Fink and, and BlackRock, you know, calling on corporations globally to to take action and to demonstrate and to measure what they're doing. You know, that said, the COVID crisis has given us a window into what What climate crisis can look like. And and I feel like if there's one lesson we need to take away, it's that no one organization or government or initiative can go it alone. So, I mean, it, it sounds trite, but collaboration and working together is going to be critical to success, you know, whether we're talking about scaling clean technology, ensuring our most vulnerable populations are protected from the impacts of climate or, or the tough policy choices or, or innovative financing tools that we're going to need to move forward on, on pathways to net zero. So what excites me about being with GLOBE and the role that GLOBE can play is we can bring together that diversity of players that need to be involved in turning commitment into action. You know, that big tent that I talked about earlier, is exactly what we need. You know, we can hold those tough conversations that are going to depolarize and depoliticize and, you know, get away from rhetoric and move towards, you know, the real outcomes and the action that we need.
2: Thank you, Elizabeth. I, I think it's really encouraging to know that you and Globe are pushing on this and creating a forum to bring people together to have these discussions.
0: Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, thanks for having me. And, and of course, you know, in that regard, we're, we're pleased to offer listeners of the show a, a discount on Globe Capital Passes. So you can go to capital.globeseries.com and use the code BMO10. That's BMO10 in capital letters uh, for a 10% discount. Um, and I'll also just throw out there that if if um, listeners want to know more about Globe and, and about Globe Capital, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Elizabeth Shirt, and I'm also on LinkedIn under Elizabeth Shirt. And I hope we see everybody at Globe Capital.
2: Fantastic,
1: Elizabeth. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Sustainability Leaders. This podcast is presented by BMO Financial Group. To access all the resources we discussed in today's episode, and to see our other podcasts, visit us at bmo.com forward slash sustainability leaders. You can listen and subscribe free to our show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider, and we'll greatly appreciate a rating and review and any feedback that you might have. Our show and resources are produced with support from BMO's marketing team and Puddle Creative.